Hi, my gems. Welcome or welcome back to the Growing Gardenias podcast. This is your safe and affirming space for us to heal together, grow together, and normalize the hard mental health things we don't like to talk about. I'm your host, Niara. Thank you for tuning in with me and joining me on this journey. Hi, everyone. Happy Sunday. I hope y'all had a beautiful week. Thank you so much for tuning in with me again. Today is a special episode because I have my girl here, Miss Jada Albright. Uh, We went to high school together. She's out here doing her thing, being a beautiful Black woman therapist, saving lives. So today we're going to be talking about our mental health while working in the mental health field, our own journeys, how to realistically care for yourself while navigating everything that is adulthood, what that can look like for y'all, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for joining me and let's get into it. So introduce yourself and tell us about yourself. So my name is Jada. I'm a licensed mental health counselor in the state of New York. I graduated. (laughs) Yes. I actually just got my license too last year in June. It was a very long journey, but well worth it. Um, I graduated from Queens College. I have internship experience. I actually work there now. I'm a therapist at an Article 31 clinic. I have tons of experience. So, Congratulations on licensure. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So first question right away is, what made you want to go into the mental health field? Um... Good question. I always get asked this question, and my answer changes, but kind of stays the same. Well, one, I want to be a part of taking away the negative stigma behind mental health in the Black community. That was number one. I always want to help people. People always can tell me their problem, like, oh, Jada, what should I do? And it's like, this is for free. (laughs) But what really grabbed my attention was 11th grade. I took a Psych 101, and I got an A+, and I loved it. I fell in love. Yeah. I'm like, this don't seem like work to me. It's like my passion, my calling. So I kind of went from there. I got a C in 102, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting discouraged. Like, you know, right. I build character. I went to Buffalo State. I majored in psychology. It was wonderful. I got discouraged. My first master's program, mm-hmm. I went to, we're not going to name them, but it was <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible absolutely terrible I moved to Georgia I came back to New York and I'm like what am I gonna do and I'm like I'm not gonna stray away from my passion so I went to Queens College did a two-year program I had an amazing support team amazing and here I am now saving lives in the black community Period. And we love to see it. We love to see it. So what was like, you said the first master's program was horrible. Like what was horrible about it? Like, were they not supportive of you as a student? Um, well, hmm. let me see. So I went to orientation the day before class. So mind you, I live in New York mm-hmm. at that time and currently now I packed up everything. I drove to Georgia. My dad took me down there orientation my first day in Georgia I get there there's no representation at all Mm. I am the only African-American there so I'm like okay no problem I got this you know people typically skip orientation yeah okay no problem the next day was the first day of classes okay I get to my classes I might have had two or three no probably two I'm the only African-American in the class and I'm the youngest in the class. So I'm just there. And it's like, okay. Talk about a shock. But I'm like, you know what? I got this. Like, I know what I'm here for. My purpose, my value, no problem. 
And I feel like being the youngest kind of what stood out to me the most. They're like, oh, well, my child this and my child that. And oh, my God, is your age. And it's like, we're not the same. Right. I don't care. Because it was condescending in a way. It wasn't like empowerment. Mm. Oh, you're so young. Like, what did you do before that? And it's like, we're in the same program. (laughs) Let's just start there. Right. We're equals. And okay, you have a lot of life experience, but we're getting the same education. So we're learning the same thing. And my grade was higher than half of them. So <laughs> if you want to talk about it. Um, but yeah, that the support wasn't there. So I just stopped going to class. I'm like, I'm not going here no more. So I yeah. went to listen, I'm not coming back next semester. Um, I'm leaving. One professor helped me find colleges in New York that had the same program. So at the end, but it's like, why when I'm leaving, you want to help me out the door, then kind of keep me. So that was a turn off. Yeah, I feel like they always do that. It's like, you'll be crying out for help the whole time. And then when you're like, yeah, I'm done. That's when everybody wants to help. Like, oh, you're leaving? Yeah, why? And I'm telling him, and he's like, okay, well, since you go back to New York, here are these <laughs> things. And I'm like, okay, thank you. Well, you know what? It, it Everything happens for a reason because you were exactly where you're supposed to be. You weren't meant to be in that school and they lost the gem. So that's their L, truly, truly. So as um, a therapist, so you say you currently work at a clinic. What has been the most challenging thing about being a therapist for you in like all your years of experience so far? Um, The most challenging Hmm. I feel like my challenges overall have yet to come. And the reason why I say that, because I've done private practice my entire time. I just mm. like, actually got a new job. So um, private practice, you really get to choose who you want to work with. Like I have a profile on like psychology today, therapy for black girls. There's my profile, they'll email me it. And if it's a good fit, then like we'll connect and move forward. Mm-hmm. When I was interning, um, people kind of just come in and my name's on a profile. They'll choose me. And it was like majority anxiety, depression, relationships. I don't say everyday things, but it wasn't like um, more so schizophrenia, hallucinating. Mm-hmm. It was just, it wasn't those severe cases. Yeah. I've done case management work for quite some time and I had like bipolar, schizoaffective, schizophrenia, hallucinations, suicide ideation, homicide ideations. So what was challenging for me there is being able to assess and get resources and support for them. Yeah. Because you're liable. If you're coming to me and saying, Mm -hmm. you know, or homicidal or I'm hearing voices I'm not Medicaid compliant medication compliance and it's like okay what do I do now in the beginning it was challenging to kind of figure out like do I call 911 for this client do I try to get them hospitalized do I call their therapist psychiatrist you know I'm checking medication I'm trying to inform mm-hmm. educate and it's like whoa but as you grow um you kind of get more experience and you learn what to do and what not to do yeah uh, so I feel like the most challenging is knowing that my biggest challenge has yet to come. That's fair. And this kind of like as a follow-up, um, what challenges, if any, have you faced being like a younger Black woman clinician and like how do you navigate these challenges? Um, that's a great question. When I first started out, I was just about, I don't even know how old I was, but I look fairly young. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of tattoos. I have piercings. And I don't hide that because that's who I yeah. am. 
Exactly. And I it, and the lady was like, you're my therapist? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, are you licensed? And I'm like, yes. And she's like, okay. And we proceeded. So for me, it was like, you chose me. Like, you reached out to me. So it's like, why? Like, the questioning and hesitation. I'm like, okay. Um, Another time, a parent, I had a child. The parent was like, how old are you? Like, do you have credentials to be here? Like, this and that. And I was like, yes. Again, you were on the profile and you chose me. So that, <laughs> yes, like, you are literally choosing me. And, like, you're seeing me in person. Like, my picture looks older or whatever the case was. But it's like having to validate who I am in a sense. And mm-hmm. it's, I have these credentials. I have this experience. And I tell people, I have a wait list, respectfully. So if you don't want to be here or you feel like we're not a good fit, we could kind of move forward. And yeah. spend it. I'm not going to go ahead and plead and bargain. Um, we don't take mainly the clients at the practice I was at. So it was like, you are willing and choosing to be here. And if you feel like me working with you isn't a good fit, I'd rather you move forward because you're not getting what you need from here. Yeah. After that challenge, it's like, okay, I got a wait list. And people actually need help and want help. And if you don't want me to, I have no problem referring some of the older women here to practice, some of the older mm-hmm. Whatever you want, I will help you get there because I'm not going to keep you and we both hindering our growth and progress. Yeah. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you be licensed if you're there? <laughs> when I was an intern, um, people always say, oh, you look really young or you have one of these type tools or this and that. And I was just like, okay. But I wouldn't really get defensive or anything because you mm-hmm. ask license and I'm like, oh, no, I'm a student. Some knew I was a student though. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm an intern because I would like shadow in. Yeah. But like once I got past that, it was like, I got credentials now. So we can not go toe to toe, but I can go ahead and say like, yes, I'm licensed. I have yeah. my have experience and if you want another clinician then I can go ahead and refer you out yeah it's like they were just judging you based on the fact that probably one you're black you're Mm -hmm. younger and then like you're free yep because why would you and and I agree too like why cover up your tattoos or like your piercings and stuff and I feel like the older generation does that a lot like I remember when I got like some of my tattoos my mom was like oh you're not gonna get a job and I'm like I am I'll be okay. Like it's it's fine. Times have changed, right? Like that's not yeah. Well, I'm sorry that you had people questioning uh your licensure and questioning your experience and stuff just based off of a first impression, but I'm glad you were able to be like, yeah, I am. I mean, I can refer you out <laughs> if that's what you want. Like yes, and I feel like and again with like mental health and getting help you have to be open to that journey. So if yeah. you and you're like, mm, oh no, I'm not a fit for you. And yeah. I'm okay with that. So it's like, okay, no problem. Yeah. Cause like we know the therapeutic alliance is important. It's not going to work if you don't vibe with your therapist. Absolutely. Like, or if you don't trust your therapist or if you are not willing or open, like you said, to talk to your therapist, like, Maybe she get another one. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work. So it sounds like you kind of navigated those challenges well by, like, standing in your truth and, like, hey, this is what it is. Mm-hmm. Take it or leave it. 
And if you want to leave it, that's fine. Um, so how did you like not take that personal? Um, at first I did, I'm not going to lie. But having a great support system and having great mentors is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I was working, I went to them and I was like, do I? And I had all these questions and they're just looking like, huh? And I'm like, but this person, it was like, you're going to get more than that. You're going to get more and you're going to get more. And I'm like, what am I going to do? And then they started asking me questions. And when I was answering them, I was validating myself. Yeah. Like, okay, you know what? Like. I'm here. It is a lot of work to get where I was at in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like, you're right. Like, you know, I have my bachelor's. Um, I'm getting my master's. I'm mm-hmm. having my practicum hours. I have intern hours. I do have a job where I'm working with certain populations. And it's like, yeah. no. I'm a girl. Like, you should be. Period. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, okay, no problem. And once I got over that, I was like, yeah. Mm-mm. And as time went on, like, my retention rate for clients was so high. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I'm doing something. And I love my clients. Like, Jada, remember when we worked on this? And they, they are able to reflect on their progress. That is so rewarding to me. Yeah. Because they the work. But me being a part of the journey, it validates, like, no, I am a great therapist. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't have to be in your sessions to know that. I'm just going to claim that you are also. Because, hello. <laughs> period. So... In regard to your own mental health, how do you show up for clients when you aren't able to show up for yourself or if you're struggling with something? Um, I have a therapist. So um, I have like, at one point I had like weekly sessions, bi-weekly mm-hmm. sessions. It's a lot to kind of hear somebody's problems and not take it on, mm-hmm. but kind of be in the moment, but not too invested. Yeah. And then when you, sessions back to back and it could be up and down up and down at the end of the day it's like whoa yeah so I would have like and my sessions with my therapist weren't about them it was about me and like coping skills and how do I manage and a lot of them were like seasoned therapists so it was like help me how do I get through it um but yet and also too I'll cancel sessions like hey today's not a good day you know um are you available tomorrow it doesn't happen often, but if I can't show up for myself and it's going to impact you negatively, I won't show up at all. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to report my clients. Um, again, I have made them for a long time. Like, hey, I have to catch into the session. Are you available? And I'll give them options. So knowing boundaries is so important and knowing what you yeah. can and can't. And it sounds like. Just like, I think I say this all the time too, like you can't pour from an empty cup. So like, it's like you have to take care of yourself because literally how are you going to take care of other people if like you're not all the way together? Like, it's just not going to work. You mentioned kind of showing up for yourself and, you know, making sure that you're okay. So with your clients, has there ever been a moment where like you've been um, triggered and like, how do you navigate that in the moment or maybe like afterwards? Um, I wouldn't say there were moments where I was triggered, but there were moments where I could definitely relate. Yeah. Um, like a lot of those, I was going through a breakup at a time mm-hmm. and my, oh, my boyfriend, this, my girlfriend, that and I'm just sitting here like, mm. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah. Like, again, being able to not have like counter transfer into the session, like, you know what, this is their session. This is their time. This is their mm-hmm. problem. 
So it's not me. It's not about my, like, I got my session tomorrow. Like, let's hold it down. <laughs> um, so, like, relationships. Um, one thing about me, if a job don't work for me, I'm going to leave. Period. And people say, oh, my job this and my job that. And in my head, it's like, then leave. Yeah. We don't give advice. So I'm not telling you to leave. I'm not telling mm-hmm. you to but I'll help work I'll help them work through it and in doing that I'm listening but I'm ensuring that I'm not talking to myself like that is not advice or it's like oh well just go do that because if you quit your job tomorrow I'm not paying your bills yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) let's update your resume let's go look Mm -hmm. for interviews or is it the job or is it you sometimes it's us yeah like you know being able to be aware like i have those same problems but this is not my session yeah yeah okay so that's good because i know some therapists who make the session about them and it's like whose session is this for real it's mine or yours it's like what's going on here um absolutely and i feel like i've got that awareness because i had a therapist where i can tell you i know her life better than she know mine and she be like oh my this and my dad and girl let me tell you and it's just like okay inappropriate three <laughs> more and it wasn't from a malice place i feel like it was just because like we had good rapport yeah um i feel like her knowing that i was a therapist as well it was just like okay but i'm a client right now and it was like we can have small talk in the beginning session or at the very very end yeah not when we're going toe-to-toe it's like mm-mm. yeah but still like i feel like that's a little inappropriate too because like y'all are not friends so like why are you telling me your life this is not your session in that case it was way too much oversharing absolutely mm-hmm. um but i feel like sometimes like disclosing certain things builds the rapport yeah kind of gets over but so you gotta know how much and yeah asking yourself by me disclosing this how is it gonna benefit the client or help the session and exactly there right now yeah like, i completely agree i agree because like there are times and i think we learned this too like it's times where there it's helpful to disclose something because like you have a moment with the client they're like okay you know i'm not alone yeah but like you said, the oversharing, sometimes it's too much. Like, I know I personally, I've experienced, um, like, sessions where I'm sitting there and I'm like, how is this relevant to anything that I've said? Like, it's relevant because, like, you have an experience like that, but how, what is this doing for me right now? You're just taking up, my like, my time in my session. So, like, I think finding, like, that balance and, like, figuring out when, okay, like, it's appropriate for me to kind of disclose something here. It'll be helpful. And I feel like you should have the client in mind, like, okay, like, this will help this person. Not, like, let me just share. If you share more than 10 minutes, I need half off his copay. <laughs> no, truly. <laughs> truly. Because at this point, whose session is it? And I feel like, too, being, like, in the mental health field, I don't know if you've also had this experience in therapy, but, like, when therapists know that you're in the mental health field, like, my experience has been, like, sometimes they won't explain things fully or sometimes they won't, like, they'll just assume that you know it. And it's like, I do know it, but, like, still do your job. Like, don't just assume, don't make assumptions. Because then I feel like you're not really giving me you're 100 it's like well you know this already you're you're in the mental health field you already know how this goes and it's like what am i paying for 
But no, I'll be like, okay, but I'm the client, so let's talk about it. What do you mean? Right. I'm not questioning that. And it's like, no, tell me more. I'm like, okay, because if I'm doing something and I have the awareness, clearly mm. it's clicking. Yeah. And you, let's talk about it. Like, I have one therapist say something, and I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, come on, like, you know, what would you tell your client? And it was like, my clients tell me and I'm paying you, so tell me. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> it's just like, if we're going to do that, I have a lot of therapist friends. I can go talk to them. Yeah. And, like, I'm going to get the real, because they know the full background story. I get mm. a lot of time. But I'm coming to you for, like, a non-biased approach. Yeah. But they're going to tell me, oh, you know this? Why am I here? Yeah, no, for real. And it's funny that you mentioned, like, having therapist friends, because that kind of leads me into the next thing. So, like, being a therapist and, I guess, having therapist friends, like, do you ever find yourself trying not to play therapist with your friends or are you the therapist friend that like everybody goes to because like I make an effort to not like psychoanalyze my friends if you want to talk or you want advice like I'll listen but like I try my best not to sound like a clinician (laughs) when I'm talking to them absolutely not they don't pay me okay and I'm so quick for that they don't pay me yeah oh stop doing that therapy on me you pay me? Right. <laughs> like, uh-uh. Or they be like, Jada, no, talk to me like a client. Again, do you pay me? Right. Like, I'm saving all of this for when I clock in. Truly. Oh, my mom is good for that. Like, oh, what would you tell your client? Or pretend this and do that. Mm-mm. No. Because it's tiring. 94% of the time, I don't care about what's going on. Like, yeah. I really don't care. And it's like, the 6% I do have left is like, for compassion empathy mm-hmm. and being a good person a good yeah. whatever if you think i'm about to sit here and listen to your story and break it down and be like okay well based on this you have this and you should no i can no. write therapist like i'm good for sending uh links one thing about me i'm gonna give you resources right because you don't pay me and i hate when they be like, okay how much i don't want your money yeah <laughs> Yeah. And even if you could be a client, this is a conflict of interest. Like, we, I couldn't be your therapist for real anyway. Yeah. And it's like, because especially with my client, if I'm, we're talking and I see them making progress and they regress or whatever, I'm not emotionally involved. Okay? Yeah. But you, I'm going to tell you about yourself. So it's like, mm-mm. Right. No, when I'm not at work, I don't. And I take that back. There was a situation that occurred recently, and I was with somebody, and they were having, like, panic attacks, like, Mm -hmm. a moment, and I was able to, like, implement my skills and help them genuinely, and Mm -hmm. I put a reward, like, okay, this is why I do it. So, it's, like, not just work-wise, but, like, it was a need in the moment, and I was able to fulfill it. Mm -hmm. So, cases like that, absolutely, but, like, yeah, and you cheating and getting caught, and it's that. I want to hear the tea. Gossip, talk to me, but right, actual, like clinical advice. Mm-mm. Get somebody else to do that, yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> Get somebody else to do it. No, truly, because that's not your and I feel like that's not your job. One and mm-hmm. two, like that'll burn you out faster. Like, if you got to go do therapy at work and then do it with your loved ones, like that's a lot for one person, exactly. And at one point, I was working nine to five and then like five to nine. Mm. 
seven days a week. So weekends, I work like nine to five or like nine to three. If you think I have a space for that, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, at that point, you have space for yourself and capacity for yourself. Mm-hmm. Regarding just like your own mental health, um, it's like, taxing sometimes being in the mental health field and like having to juggle like your own things. So you mentioned that you have a therapist. So it like, how else do you take care of your mental health as a therapist? I'm finding new ways. Old me, I'm here for vacation four or five times a year. I'm flying. Hair done, um, brunch, dinner, but it's very costly. Yeah. So it's like, I'm trying now to find ways to implement Mm self-care but financially friendly like on a budget yeah last week i actually did a vision board and nice yeah i wrote down like my goals realistic goals yeah definitely realistic i can hold myself accountable just yesterday um a friend of mine created this group chat with like women who to empower each other hold accountable so i'm like i'm leaning on those resources now opposed to just blowing the bag because I spent too much money. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I work hard. Again, I was working seven days a week at one point. So it's mm-hmm. like, whatever I want, I'm going to get. No, we're not going to do it. We're going to rationalize. Like, Jada, I will be on vacation booking another trip. <laughs> Mood. Yes. <laughs> Which sounds great, but it's like, I wasn't being present in the moment mm. with what I was doing. Because I'm always thinking ahead. So now yeah. I'm trying- slow down like the moment that i'm in right now i always want it so let me appreciate it because the next steps are gonna come yeah but know what that journey's gonna be like all the obstacles to get there it's like damn i wish i was here so i'm starting to find value and being present um and with my self-care is saying yes to uncomfortable moments that would better me and hard no's if i say no please don't ask me again because yeah. the in word is gonna be no, but a lot of words before that. <laughs> so yes, boundaries and standing on them, um, ensuring the company around me is supportive. Yeah, um, I had a really rough patch, and like my support system was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like hands down, my best friend literally cooking breakfast, dropped what she was doing, came to my house. Like, okay, what are we gonna do today? Like, sit here. Okay, mm-hmm. my mom's amazing. Best friends, close friends fantastic support system and that is so important to me yeah yeah I love that and it is definitely important because especially like if you're I don't know if you can relate to this too but like being the person who's like the strong friend very independent you don't always want to ask for help so when your village like shows up for you like yeah we don't care if you're asking or not we're here that's it like that's what that's what my my close friends they do for me. Like yeah, nobody asks you if you need help or not. We're here. It's like they'd be like, oh, they call my mom. Like Jada home. Yeah, oh, they have my location. They'd be like, I'm outside. Open the door. <laughs> like it's cold outside or it's raining. Like open the door. Yeah, I appreciate that so much because that's me. I'm that friend. Yeah, I'm pulling up like hey, yeah, like a number one or number two. What do you mean? Like well, I'm here, but GPS is I'm five minutes away. Like, yeah. I'm not like I know you're and like Jada what it's like no I feel like it's important and I'm using the word important to stress it because it's so important that when you are that strong for and show up for others like no matter what that it's reciprocated and not that 
doing it for the return, but just knowing like how strong that connection is and how valuable you are to someone else. Yeah. yeah. Support system in my village, top tier. Same, same. And you really need that too. Especially I think even being in this field, you hear a lot, you deal with a lot and you have to be that support for other people. So it's like, you're taking care of other people. Who's taking care of you? So when you have that support system, that's beautiful. And you met like your answers are just so good because you just like questions are popping into my head too. Not even the ones that I had. (laughs) So you also mentioned like two things I want to touch on. So boundaries and being present. So first with being present, I think for me, that's what, that's also one of my goals is like trying to be in the present moment. My anxiety be on 10. It's like the fear of the future or like what's to come. And I'm like, I'm always thinking 10 steps ahead. And it's like, you are just praying about the moment that you're in right now. You're here. You don't even realize that you're here. How do you stay present and kind of remind yourself to stay in the present moment and not dwell in the past or think too much about the future? How do you stay balanced like that? Um, It's hard. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And I'm consciously aware, like... Mm-hmm consciously aware of what am I thinking what am I doing where am I at implementing grounding techniques mindfulness like I'm pulling it all in because it's yeah. like I'm to preach and teach but can I actually do it like, can it be done and it can um I try and build a routine like I try and wake up in the morning and before I start going on social media I try and read like the verse of the day for the bible I, I try and start my morning that way no matter how chaotic it's going or how late I am like some sort of structure when I find myself drifting, I'm like, what am I doing? Because mm-hmm. I, I can always be doing something. Yeah. Like, can I clean? Can I do work? Can I read something? Mm-hmm. And Or let me just relax. Let me just sit here and be present and like feel yeah. the bed, like feel the temperature. And it's like, it sounds tedious, but at least I know I'm actually in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um. And if I'm on 10 and I got to be on 10 and constantly go, I'll allow myself that space. But at the end of the day, I need to wind down, be present, reflect, and then have a plan for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how has like implementing kind of a routine been helpful? For example, my morning routine, I make sure like I pray, I do like my skincare stuff. Um, and then I say, oh, I meditate for five minutes. Cause like, I literally have the attention span of a goldfish. I can't do more than five minutes right now. <laughs> so I'm like, let me, okay. let me taste myself. And then I'm like, okay, I'm either going to read or I'm going to journal. Like I choose one or the other. Like I have a devotional journal, no social media for at least like the first 30 minutes. If I can do that. Okay. Um, so how has having, um, a routine kind of like been helpful? Like, have you seen that it's helping you be more present, like throughout the day and like in your interactions and experiences? I'll have to get back to you on that. Okay. I just started. Cause I'm like, okay. you know, I'm again starting this new job. I'm going into the office every day. It's like, mm. I, I got to get up. One thing about me, I'm going to play with time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's 10 alarm. I have a 7 a.m. alarm. And then I'll do like 20 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, pumping up. But before I jump up, I make sure that, you know, I do my Bible verse of the day. I Mm -hmm. pray and get started. But I want to start. I'm trying to find me. Yeah. Like I make coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I have the um, Keurig heating up while I'm brushing my teeth. And then I kind of put the coffee in to go while I shower and this and Mm -hmm. that. But it's chaotic. It's yeah. 
smoothly because I like I know my timing, but it's chaotic. I want a smooth transition. Yeah. I want to roll or sit back down. But I could be sleeping too. But <laughs> I, when I'm laying in bed, I'm thinking about the time. So I'm so anxious about like, are you gonna be late? What's gonna happen? Yeah. So I'm trying to like give myself grace and time. Mm-hmm. But we're working on that. Okay, that's very fair. That's fair. In terms of like boundaries, holding space for your clients, how do you balance holding space for your clients, holding space for yourself, and then holding space for your loved ones and like your friends and family? Okay. I hold space for my clients by having their appointments set and scheduled. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do grant flexibility. If you're going through something, hey, call me. If it's open, I'll set you in if I can. Yeah. And I can have a full day free, but if I'm having a heavy day or I want to relax and not be bothered, then I'll say I'm not available this day, but I'll give other openings. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I try to do with my client is like give them the resources and the tools. Like yeah. be implement this when I'm not available. And if it didn't work, let's start their first session. Like, hey, mm-hmm. I tried this. It didn't work for me. I need something new. Okay, we can work with that. Yeah. Tell me, like, oh, all these things. Like, hey, well, did you try all of this? And it's like, no. Well, I need you to start here so we can move forward. So, yeah. That's how I hold space for them. For myself, I'm choosing me every time. Period. Like, I'm choosing me. Um, So, that's like either self care, laying in bed, watching TV, and not overextending myself, not Mm. stretching, knowing how to say no with those boundaries. If I say no, it's really no. Yeah. Because I'm always like a yes or can I help? So I'm firm on my boundaries. Like, no. Mm-mm. And did you it. have to practice being firm with your boundaries? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not mean. I'm not mean. But I'm saying no for a reason. Yeah. So it's like, no. Like, for what? Um, so in that, I started saying yes more. Mm-hmm. So they know you not really mean no. Yeah. Um, holding space for my loved ones and friends and everybody else, they have unlimited access to me mm-hmm. and any time. So when I'm stepping away, they respect that because I'm yeah. over there. Um, so I feel like I hold unlimited space in them because it's not abusive. Yeah. Like, very much like respected and okay, like, you know, or I love my friends ask me like, hey, how are you mentally? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm good. Then they'll come on low. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. A rough day. And then they'll encourage me and be like, okay, like, we'll talk later. Mm-hmm. I just love that. Yeah. I love that, too. And I feel like, as a friend, I found myself asking that, too. Like, do you have the capacity to, like, listen to this right now? Because um, sometimes people don't want to say that, hey, I literally don't have the mental strength to hear what you have to say right now. I'm so sorry. It's all love. So I'm like, let me ask in case you don't want to say it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with my friends, we're very open. Like, listen, I can't FaceTime right now. I literally don't have the energy. I can't text you right now. I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you when I can. Give me a couple days. And nobody's like offended. Nobody takes it personal. It's like, okay, I'm here when you're ready to talk if you want to talk or all right, love you. Talk to you later. So it's like having people who are also understanding is very helpful because I don't know, some friend groups, I feel bad for them. They don't be like supporting each other and like, yeah, like I understand you're human and you're going through your own thing and like extending grace. Like not everybody is like that. So 
That's great. I don't feel bad for them. And the reason why I don't feel bad, <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I'm so big on assertiveness and setting boundaries and limiting access. Like, all my cl- I don't care what you're coming to me for. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Because if you don't set that boundary or you don't assert yourself, mm-hmm. uh, keep taking. Like, they'll take the empty cup if you let them. They will. They will. No, say no. Or yeah. I do. If I'm telling you I don't have space for that or I can't show up and you leave, thank you. No, truly. It's like, yeah. So it's like, I don't feel bad for them because until you have, when you had enough, you'll make a change. Yeah. That's very real. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) So like when you have uh, clients or even like your loved ones who Mm -hmm. you see struggle with setting boundaries, like what do you tell them or like, how do you help them navigate that? Um, I reflect back on the boundary. Like say if you want to set a boundary and you're telling Mm -hmm. me what, I'll go down to like the root of it. Like why are you creating this boundary? How is mm-hmm. it? In? And then I'll give like different scenarios of like that boundary being pushed to see how you respond. Mm. If you're letting it be pushed, it's not a hard boundary. It's a soft boundary. Yeah. Boundaries can be movable. Hard boundaries is like, it's not moving. Brick yeah. Wall. No flexibility. So I kind of get them to think about why did you make this boundary? And is this boundary universal? Is it for one person? Like, how mm-hmm. do you it apply to? And I want them to really think about the foundation of the boundary. Because if you're saying, like, I don't know, um, I don't know, any boundary. Did one situation occur and now you're just going, like, oh, never again? Or mm-hmm. is it person? Is it emotional or is it logical? Right. Kind of really get down to that. And I help them, like, no, stand on your boundary. Oh, it didn't work. Why did it not work? They're pushing it. Who's this person? How much respect and compassion and empathy do they have for you to push a boundary? Even when you explain, like, this is my boundary and why. That one. Hmm? That one. Because I feel like, and I, like, I think I had an episode. I don't remember which episode it was. Oh, it was the boundaries episode. Duh. (laughs) And I said, um, boundaries are essentially like the terms and conditions of like your life the respect that you demand and what you expect from other people. So if you have someone in your life who after you've explained your boundary and why you're setting your boundary and that this is in place and they're still choosing to disrespect your boundary, that person does not need to be in your life. And I feel like when you set boundary with people, in my opinion, like I've seen, it kind of teaches you like who's for you and who's not for you. I agree. Because granted, maybe somebody might, need time to get used to your boundary or whatever the case is, but they'll make an effort if they care about you and if they respect you. Yeah. If they're not, that's not a person that needs to be in your life. Cause if you're telling me or showing me blatantly, like, yeah, I don't really care about any boundaries that you're setting. I'm gonna just do what I want. Why are you here? Then yeah. we don't have a mutual relationship that's based on like respect and love. That's not what it is. I agree. And something you mentioned, like explaining the boundary, I feel like some boundaries don't need to be explained. Like if I'm yeah, telling you, that's true. That's it. Now, certain things may need clarification. Mm-hmm. And I'm always here for clarification. Yeah. My is don't assume, ask me. Yeah. Because I could be telling you one thing and your impact versus intent. Nine times out of ten, don't align. But ask me. Like, Jada, I don't get what you're saying. I don't understand. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to explain it because now you're showing interest so that you can adhere to my boundary. Yeah, I completely agree. I be telling people this too, like, you really don't owe anybody an explanation. Like, I remember having the conversations like, the word no Mm-hmm. It's just no. Like you don't have to give an explanation after that. You don't like that's a perfect no. Exactly. That's right. it. Period. <laughs> it's a sentence. No. <laughs> like that's it. Period. End of story. It's done. So I agree. I think sometimes like I feel like and I've caught myself for this year. Like I feel like I'll tend to over explain sometimes and I'll have to be like, Niara, be quiet. Stop. Yeah. What are you doing? You don't owe anybody explanation. This person is not paying your bills. This person is not like, even if they were, you literally don't owe anyone an explanation. So Absolutely. be quiet. <laughs> like, like you're valid in setting this. Hush. You don't have to explain yourself. Um, so that's a nice reminder. Like, yeah, actually, you don't really have to explain your boundary if you don't want. If you want to go, go ahead, I guess. Your choice, not feeling forced. Right, not feeling forced to exactly like you have to or else or they're not going to respect it. Yeah, like I'm good for that. Like if you ask me a question, I'm going to answer your question. Yeah. And nothing more. My boyfriend be like, oh, but Jada, what did you ask me? <laughs> right. That's my answer. He's like, but, and it was like, I'm not hiding anything. Yeah. Like, Ask me more questions. If I want to share, I would share, but oversharing is not me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, anytime I've overshared, I'm like cringing after like, oh, oh, what what were you doing? No, I I feel like I'm making that a point now to like, just be quiet. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You don't have to, you don't have to do too much. It's fine. Like your boundaries are valid. What you're saying is valid. It makes sense. And even if it doesn't, that's another thing too, for y'all who are listening, even if it doesn't make sense to the people that you're setting the boundaries with, that is okay. Like it makes sense to you. It's for you. It's not their boundary. It's mm-hmm. yours. I agree with that. I guess like listening now is like, I'm like conflicted now. I guess like depending on, depending on the boundary. Mm-hmm. So not like one shoe fit all. Yeah. But person's kind of asking like, what do you mean by that? Or generally kind of wanting to know if you feel comfortable. Yeah. I, not you should, but it would be nice for you to explain. Yeah. Or give context behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, depending on the boundary, depending on the person, and if you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. But pick up one day, like a new person's like, wait, huh? It's one of those um, case-by-case situations. Definitely, definitely. And like you said, too, depending on what the boundary is to who, definitely who the person is, because, like, my best friends, like, yeah, I'll explain why. Um, But I also know they're not going to force me to explain why. Like, it's going to be like, okay, if you want to talk about it, cool. If you don't, cool. Somebody I just met or, like, if I'm setting a boundary with a colleague, I'm not explaining anything. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not explaining anything this is what I said that's <laughs> it <laughs> like I said what I said that's it um and I think I feel like it took me kind of a while to like stand on my boundaries because I'm like damn I feel like I'm being mean and I feel like um you know I'm not like my normal not normal but like my open self and I think I don't know if this is this has come with like age and adulthood and just wanting to like preserve certain things about yourself but like I have the desire less and less to like talk too much about things so I'm like 
doesn't really warrant an explanation. Um, I think it was pretty clear. Now, if it's confusing, okay. Mm-hmm. If it's a straightforward boundary, it it makes a lot of sense. Um, right. I'm like, what are you confused about? <laughs> like, sometimes you do want you to explain your boundary and get technical to so just find out loopholes to push it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not even about to let you play with me like this. No. We're not doing that. This is what I said. If you don't agree with it. And that's the thing too. Like you can set boundaries. People don't have to agree with your boundaries. And you know where they can go if they don't agree. And that's why everybody, where did that boundary come from? Right. Implementing that. Because if it's an emotional boundary and you're emotional today and tomorrow you're over it. And I feel like you got to be firm on your boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yes, can change depending on what you are. But if you tell me today, don't do that, and then tomorrow I do it accidentally, and you let it slide, like, no, you got to pick a side, too. Like, you have to hold yourself accountable with your boundaries, because how dare you hold somebody else? But, yeah, I said what I said. No, truly, (laughs) truly. Even in regards to boundaries and, like, respecting yourself, Mm -hmm. the way that you treat yourself and the way that you respect yourself is how other people that's like the blueprint for how other people are going to treat you and respect you not all the time but if they see that so it's like okay you set a boundary and you're not standing on it it's like oh, okay it's mm-hmm. not that deep it's not that serious she didn't really mean that for real okay mm-hmm. you're mad but you got to stand on it like be firm and don't be afraid to be firm and like the people who you lose by respecting yourself and standing on your boundaries are people that were not meant to be there like, they were meant to be lost. People need to hear that. I feel like we get so comfortable with our company that we allow and accept anything. And it's like, no, I'd rather be alone and happy than have company and miserable. Ooh, that one. <laughs> don't want nobody company, I'm telling you. Like, mm-mm. No, I feel that 100%. And I I really feel like that's a lesson that 2022 taught me. Just be alone, be in solitude. Like it's better than being in the presence of people that you can't be yourself around or like you don't feel comfortable around. Like it's not worth compromising yourself just in the name of having somebody there, just in the name of having company. And whether that's like a romantic situation, even friends, I be scrolling on TikTok and you know, when they do like the story times and stuff with their friends. And I'm like, y'all have terrible friends. Like these, these people are not your friends. And I'm just sitting there like watching. And I'm like, Girl, you need new friends confused and I'm like my friends would never and I would never they don't need new friends they need to love and value themselves to be right by who is for them right 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 and I get it like I understand and this is where I think I extend grace because I get it at some point, maybe we've been there before when it's like you want to, or like, for example, with a childhood friend, I had a falling out with a childhood friend. We were friends for like 14 years. If somebody would have told me now, like we wouldn't have been friends, I would have been like, yeah, you're lying. What are you like? Shut up. What are you talking about? And then it was just like, wait a minute. Um, this is not a reciprocated friendship. Like this is not mutual love, mutual respect. What is going on here? People off topic, but kind of on topic, you outgrow people also. And standing firm in your boundaries, like you have to recognize, like you said, 
who's for you and who's not for you. And it's like when you get to a certain point in like your self-love journey, your healing journey, your discernment, at least mine, this has been my experience. My discernment has been on point. If I say, okay, this person, mm, I don't know how I feel about them. 10 times out of 10, I'm right. Listening to yourself, that's another big lesson too. Like listening to yourself the first time because your intuition is always going to tell you what's up. And then it's up to you, like if you want to listen to it or not. I know for me in the past, guilty, but I'm doing better now. I have completely ignored that. And I'm like, you get better. Or, or you see like, uh, even in friends and uh, situations, whatever. And then, and then you suffering and it's like, it's, it's not worth it. Choose you the first time. Like you said earlier, I'm choosing me all the time first. My first tattoo that I got was letting go. I'm letting go. We outgrow things. And I mentioned like, I'm good for leaving a job. We outgrow companies. The bigger the risk, the higher the reward, mm-hmm. but also the higher the potential downfall. So it's like, is the risk worth the potential reward? Because yeah. in that aspect, but if something is not serving you, whatever comes after is a benefit because you're no longer attached to like that dead weight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I had made a post yesterday, like uh, rejection is like essentially protection. Like what you think you're losing, you need to like lose it in order to gain like the better. And I think about past situations where I have been devastated, like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. Why is this happening? Or like even losing friends, like that 13 year friendship. I was like, I'm so confused. Like what is, what's going on here? But you always get better. And I'm like, now my village, my people solid. Mm-hmm. solid there's not anyone in my circle or like my close friends that I even that I have to question or anything solid so it's like yeah it's hard to kind of like let gr- let let grow let go <laughs> and like outgrow people like it doesn't feel good but it's like how is it serving you exactly and it's it's hard and I'm as I'm listening to you it's like wow many of my friendships have changed too but I'm growing. I'm evolving. I know who so like we said, like my circle, I don't question nothing. Even if you do, and I'm like, huh? I'm a hundred percent confident in the choice that you made. Like mm-hmm. I, I can put my life in your hand, I'm gonna be good. Same. There's nobody around me that I'm just like, mm. like my house is open. Like, all right, come whatever. It's nothing mm-hmm. like I have my money. If I gotta do anything out of my norm, people come around. I don't want you near me. And I'm so, everybody around me is like solid. Yeah. And I I wish that for everybody. So if you're listening to this, (laughs) please, (laughs) if someone or something is not serving you, listen to us. We are acknowledging it's hard. It doesn't feel good. Nobody wants to lose people who've been in your life or a situation that you think is the best for you. It gets better. Doesn't it? It gets better. And if you need help or you're struggling or have challenges, get somebody who is non-biased who can help you through that. Get you a therapist. Get you a mentor. Get you a big sister, big brother. Get you somebody who you know has your best interest mm-hmm. and who's not benefiting from the situation. Yeah. Exactly. For me. Exactly. <laughs> right. Book my girl. Okay. Go on psychology today. Period. <laughs> Um, okay. So what would you say is a common myth about mental health that you hear a lot? 
a myth. Hmm. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I just come to mind. I'm drawing a blank. I can't okay. Um. Hmm. I don't know. A lot of negative stigmas, like oh, that therapy don't work, and mm. um, any mental illness, like the devil's work, or you're not praying enough, or you don't have a relationship with God. And it's like, no, yeah. there are bounces in the brain for some. There are traumatic experiences people go through, mm. and like we all need somebody for something. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard that before from clients? Well, I was talking to somebody. Um, he's from Africa and he was like, you know, that mental health is not mental health awareness is not what it's like here. And it's just more so mm-hmm. like voodoo or like demonic or stuff yeah. like that. And it's like, no, people really go through things and have now I'm not touching that, whatever that is over there. Mm-hmm. But there are like chemical imbalances in the brain or yeah. like that actually show okay, like there's some abnormality that's occurring that's causing some of these things to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I like about our generation so much. In breaking these generational curses, we're talking about these mental health issues. We're open about like our own mental health struggles. Um, And it's very validating to see that we're literally all going through it. Everybody's going through it. Adjustment order is an actual decent diagnosis. mm -hmm. With anxiety, depression, and it's within a six-month period of something occurring. If you lose your job, if you lose a child, a loved one, hurricanes, actual disasters, you're not going to be who you were yesterday when something traumatic happens, PTSD. All these things are diagnosis in a book, and nobody wants to be labeled, and I understand that. But don't let the fear of having a label prevent you from getting the help that you need to Yeah. Yeah, because it's like the stigma. And I feel like from what I've seen, we are working hard. We like our generation, people are our age. I know I said in the last episode, like my mom has been before it was like, what do you mean you're depressed? Like you have a house, you have food, you have what are you what are you saying? (laughs) The basic the basic needs, the like the your basic necessities. Now I feel like people are more open to having these conversations. I know in Haitian culture, at least for some of the disorders, like they don't, we don't even have words in the language for it. Cause it's like you crazy or somebody did voodoo on you. Mm -hmm. No in between. Now that we're, I think reducing the stigma, the more you see people, especially black people, the more we talk about it, the more it's like normalized in our communities. These are real things that people experience and it's okay. You're not crazy. I hate calling people crazy too. Like at least in in like that, like like, what what does that mean? People go through this. This is a real experience that you're having and it's okay. Like you're literally not alone. That's why I like spaces like this. Just platforms where people are sharing openly like, yeah, you know, I was struggling with depression. I didn't clean my room for three months. Or like even, for for example, with, with depression, like, yeah, I was smiling every day, but I'm having thoughts of suicide, yeah. you know? So it's like being open about those stuff. Like I remember I had did a suicide episode and a few people had messaged me like, wow, like I was with you in class every day and I had no idea. And it's like... Yeah, people have like high functioning depression and people know how to mask it well. Like mental illness and mental health issues, it doesn't have a face. Mm-hmm. Like ill of like like mild to severe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
time, if you're not cleaning your room for three weeks and like you are in the space, like, oh, you're just lazy or you're just nasty. No, they no. have function. Like they are not able to function. Like it is yeah. what's going on. Or like, oh, they're acting erratic. Maybe they're bipolar, having a manic episode. Like, let's actually look at the action and kind right. of what it could be, opposed to just labeling them something that's not benefiting and we're going to get the help they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to admit, like, you know, you're struggling with something or, like, something is debilitating to the point where you just don't have a desire to do anything. And I... not. Not that I like that people have experienced this, but what I do like is the fact that because people are being more open about it, it's really very common. Mm-hmm. Like, even suicidal ideation, like, I tell people I know, like, I'm not afraid to talk about that. Like, I feel like some people are scared because it's like, oh, my God, like, are you about to kill yourself? Let's talk about it. Do you have a plan? Do you have intent? Do you have access to weapons? Let's really yeah. talk about it. It's not scary. And I don't know if that's because, like, we're in the mental health field. But, like, I feel like we need to have more conversations like that and just normalizing it, even with people that are not in the mental health field. How do you support a loved one who's experiencing this? How do you support yourself, maybe? Or how do you ask for support? I feel like it may be challenging with somebody who's a loved one if you're not able to separate. Because if you hear, like, what you heard is, I'm ready to go right now. And it's Mm -hmm. like... No, maybe. And sometimes our thoughts are passive or figuring out, like, yeah. are you in a rough point where you don't want to be here in this moment? But, like, you know, like, let me just come back next week. Unfortunately, yeah. that's not how it goes. Like, when you go, you just go. Yeah. And so, like, I help work through it. Like, what's the plan? What's the method? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the, um, a suicide safety plan? Like, yeah. you know, resources like 988 the suicide hotline going to this emergency room having somebody who you can call on mm-hmm. over yourself like those are all important conversations to have but they are challenging imagine sitting with love and telling them listen like before you do whatever the method is do all these things and before you even get like three steps before that you know who wants to really have that plan but yeah it's hard those conversations is going to have you planning a funeral or an unsuccessful yep. that can be debilitating. I took a course and I'm going to get graphic. And it was like, when you hear statistics and like people who have attempted and didn't succeed, like I just wouldn't help. Yeah. We need to like rally around them and be that support to them when they feel like they don't have nobody. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it is hard to, that's scary to hear somebody's thinking about and in their life navigating that I think people don't have the skills which I understand because like it's like oh pray I'm here for you call me do this do that yes you can do that like yes you can but like telling that to someone who's in the moment that's not very helpful and I think normalizing it and giving skills to people okay like how do you have this conversation how do you like differentiate? Okay, like you're my loved one, but I need to support you in this moment in this way. That's difficult. It is very difficult. Even me as a clinician, having some clients who are coming in who are who have the ideas for the ideations or like creating a safety plan, like that in the moment be like, whoa, what's happening? Because again, like, no, your life is not in my hands, it's ultimately in yours. But it's like mm-hmm. I'm now working through that with you, like, okay, like. What do we put? And not just something that looks pretty on paper to like yeah. come 
but no, what's effective? You know, some people need that seven to hour cycle. Some people mm-hmm. need or an inpatient to, you know, get stabilized in order to yeah. get access. Some people, you know, need outpatient where they're going three or four times a week who go mm-hmm. in have groups who have this who have medication and if that is you that is okay you need yeah. to works for you you yeah. know he is individualized mm-hmm. i have clients who have been an inpatient for months come out go to outpatient until they're able to get their balance together to figure out what works for me yeah back into inpatient that's okay figure out what works for you yeah there's a lot of shame associated with like having these feelings or like having like these different mental health disorders. And it's like, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Like you're human. And so I'm gonna just keep saying, if you're listening to this and this is something that you're experiencing currently, I know it's easier said than done mm-hmm. to like not feel shame and not feel guilty or, you know, feel like something is wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with you. A lot of people, unfortunately, like a lot of people experience this. And a lot of people also feel alone. And a lot of people also feel like, you know, what am I doing? What's wrong with me? Who can I talk to? Who can I go to? Because then that's another thing, too. You don't want to feel like a burden. Like that was my biggest thing when I used to kind of struggle with like just mental health and stuff. I'm like, "Mm, I don't really want to talk to anybody because like this is a lot. Like this is heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that to anyone. And it's like, your loved ones care about you. Like, you're not a burden. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And if they don't have the space or capacity, because again, people go through their own thing. Yeah. There are resources. There are yeah. people who are trained professionals with credentials, with skills, mm-hmm. and to help you. There's family therapy. There's therapy where you yeah. can bring somebody in to be able to learn and get more awareness, psychoeducation courses, and even sessions to get a better understanding. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So again, honing this message in, (laughs) you are not alone. I've experienced depression and I've been, I feel like I've been transparent about it, especially in black women, high functioning depression is no joke. You'll literally navigate the world. Everybody thinks you're fine. You have a smile on your face. You're showing up. You're doing what you have to do. You're productive. And then you're not. It's like celebrities in the media. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, like Twitch, for example. Mm-hmm. Even seeing that, like, some of the videos, he's happy. He's smiling. He's dancing. You wouldn't look at him and see, like, oh, this is a man who's about to die by suicide. He's showing up, being present. Yeah. Like, you just don't know. And so if you are, like, experiencing, whether it's suicidal ideation or depression or anything, talk about it. Like, and don't be ashamed to talk about it because you might be helping somebody else and talking about, like, what what you're experiencing because, like, people really feel alone. And I don't know if it's only because, like, the stigma and like it's just not spoken about enough like why people feel alone but like we're literally never alone and we always think we are like when you're in it and when you're going through it mm-hmm. I guess again it's not widely spoken about or mm-hmm. 
the resources are not there. Or even if it, right now in the media, mental health is huge, like Taraji P. Henson and Charlamagne, mm-hmm. but it openly. But I guess, like, you may feel, like, so detached from them because like, they're celebrities or what they yeah. have. But at least you know you're not alone. And being able to do research, mm-hmm. able to see, okay, what research, or even Googling a question. Yeah. It was something that I was, like, thinking about. And I only Googled it. And, like, it gave me, like, a list of things. I was like, oh, I have that. And I was like, okay. And my next therapy session, we spoke about that. And he was mm-hmm. like, you know what, you know, this could be the potential causes of this, you know. And some things that we're feeling can be medical. Yeah. And once you take care of, like, your medical, these symptoms may subside. Like, health is health is important. It's like... Truly. Sleeping patterns, like, vitamin D, sunlight, all these things. Like, so yep. being able to maybe check up all those other things if you don't want to go the mental health route. Mm-hmm. But check your health diet, medical, everything. Okay, like, let me talk to your provider. Hey, I'm experiencing this. Be open, be honest. Nobody can help you if they don't know. Yeah, right, exactly. And I think people fail to realize, like, your mental health is equally as important as like your physical health like the same way you go for your checkups like you need to be checking in mentally with yourself as well and it's like like you said that's a great point with like checking your physical health because like maybe you're depressed and like you're feeling down and you need some vitamins like you don't get no sunlight you don't get no vitamin d you need some iron like your energy is low that really impacts how you navigate things and like how you see things and how you are mentally Mm-hmm. maybe you need to eat better you know sugar processed foods like a lot of fr- like that doesn't make you f- well it doesn't make me feel good at least it, <laughs> like you feel good in the moment but then after- yeah and being open with your provider i want to stretch that i want to express that no, i want to stress that because um i want to stress be open with your provider i went for i had a new doctor i went to I was telling him again, like my mood levels are low and this and that. He ran this full panel. It was like 11 tests. He checked my A1C, estrogen, testosterone. He tested numbers and this mm-hmm. and my cholesterol, all these things. And it was like, I've never had a full workup like that. Yeah. Because my thing was, I'm feeling this. I don't know what's going on. He said, okay, mm-hmm. let's do this. And now if this is all good, or need adjustments, then we can go ahead and move from there. But okay, before I give you a pill or this and that, like let's try some vegetables, eat healthy, yeah. sleep, routine. But if you don't advocate for yourself, unfortunately, we are a patient or a number to provider who has hundreds, thousands, depending yeah. on your goal. It's a sad reality. But you are your biggest advocate. If you don't know act, mm-hmm. if you don't like what Service-wise, whether it's mental health, medical, get a new one. There are plenty of providers, trust me, plenty. Yeah. Keep bouncing around until you find your fit, and that's okay. Yeah. And, like, you're not stuck with anyone. Like, and even for therapists, I say this too, like, you can get a new therapist. Like you were saying earlier, if it's not a good fit, I can refer you out. I can find other resources for you. Like, I remember I had my first therapist before the one I have now. She was white and nothing against her. She was a great therapist, I'm sure, maybe. I don't know, for somebody else. Mm -hmm. But for me, I'm like, 
I can't relate to you. I'm going in session and I'm not being authentic because I refuse to be vulnerable in front of you. That's not a relationship that's going to thrive. Like this is not a good therapeutic alliance. I don't trust you. Mm-hmm. And what I do, I was like, yeah, I'm not coming back. Thank you. <laughs> Literally. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to come back, but thank you so much for your mm-hmm. time. I, I had high retentions. I had clients who come to these sessions. Like it's not work for me. Whether it's mm-hmm. they can't be vulnerable. Yeah. Whatever. And I'm okay with that. Trust me. I'd rather you come to session and after the intake or two sessions and it don't work for you. I am okay with you leaving because yeah. purpose. Or I'll do consultations, and if I feel like I can't support and benefit you, I would say it's not a good fit. I'm yeah. okay. Trust me, I don't do it for the money. <laughs> like, yeah. Are. So it's like, I'm not going to hold somebody who is not going to benefit and thrive and then add more to the negative stigma behind mm. me or this don't work or... Yeah. No. Yeah. What about if it was like a long-term client, like would you still kind of have like the same sentiments or like somebody that you've been working, working with for a while, you have good rapport with, and they're kind of like, I don't think this is working anymore. Like, how would you navigate that? I'm thinking about it from like a client's perspective, but how would you navigate that from a therapist's perspective? That's why that happened to me. Okay. We spoke about it. We had two sessions to kind of close out to wrap Mm -hmm. up. Um, I was okay with that. What that person came to me for, they've mastered and Mm -hmm. it was in a maintenance stage of it better yet. And they felt like whatever new was occurring or transitioning from that, they needed somebody else. And mm-hmm. I, because you got or all that I could give you that you felt that I've had, you got. Yeah. Okay with that. Move forward. And my door's always open. If yeah. I come back. There's clients who I worked with weekly for months, years. They would go to bi-weekly. They would go for monthly or me. Mm-hmm. Call me when you need me. Therapy ultimately is not forever. Yeah. So if we work together for a long period of time and I see you're growing in price, or I'll mention like, hey, let's move now to bi-weekly or monthly, or I see that you progressed here. Mm-hmm. Or you now is a good time for you to end therapy. Yeah. Some agree. Some like, well, nope. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to meet you where you're at always. And we're going to maneuver and create a plan together or create new goals. So, I'm okay with either which way it comes. You sound like a great therapist, girl. I wish I didn't know you. <laughs> and that's why I'm in a conflict of interest. But like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's no, that's really great. Cause I feel like in my experience, I like I feel like some therapists are just like money hungry. So they know that they can't help you or they know they can't support you, or they know that they aren't in the ways that they need to. Um, whether or not you've expressed it, because I know in the past, like I've been a little weary about expressing it because I'm like, this is kind of an awkward conversation. And that goes with like setting the boundaries, which I'm like, now it's like, now I can say it because it's like, you know, it is what it is. But back then it was just kind of like, this is kind of awkward. I mean, with the the first therapist, that wasn't awkward because I was like, I, this is a waste of my money. I'm not coming back. No offense. Okay. No, but like for like a long-term therapist or like 
um, someone who knows you or you've been working with for like a little bit, that's a little awkward for me, like an awkward conversation to have and to like navigate. So I'm happy there are therapists like you out there who are like, you know, who will bring it up like, hey, you know, what do you think about this or something like that? Like, I feel like that's helpful for clients who are like. Absolutely. Yeah. We're not friends. Yeah. But that's one thing we are not. We are not friends is the transactions is a certain. Mm-hmm. Right. I- that we can have great rapport and a great relationship, a great therapeutic relationship. Yeah. Don't get wrong. But at the same time, like I'm here to provide a service and to help you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe, you know what? Let's pause this. Let's go ahead and take less mm, two months off. And mm-hmm. then please reach out, but go ahead. These tools, implement them, like yeah. got them now. And if it don't work, come back. Yeah. So I'm not throwing you away. It's like a bird on I'm letting you fly. And yeah. Oh, I'm going to come catch you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Oh, <laughs> warm my heart. <laughs> no, that's, that's, yeah. I love that. So have you ever had like a client where like, I guess boundaries or like lines were blurred where like they thought that the therapeutic relationship was like a friendship or like something deeper than just what it is like the transaction? Um, no, thank okay. Now, I have clients that, again, I'm pretty young. Like, yeah. a, a lot of my clients that came in, like, pretty young or, like, older, I'm like, oh, I see you as, like, a daughter, like, a daughter figure, in a sense. Mm. Still very professional. Yeah, okay. Like, oh, and I let you show up how you are. There be clients, like, girl, let me tell you. <laughs> I'm listening, like, where you went to begin? Right. You can express them however you want. Like, mm-hmm. however you want to show up, I'm going to be here. Yeah. I've been invited to, like, weddings and, like, birthday parties. And, like, I appreciate the offer, but I'm not going to come. Yeah. Because professional. Like, this is not social. Yeah. Um, but that warms my heart. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> because you feel comfortable where it's like, yes, I'm helping you, but you can show up how you are all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I've never had lines in there, but it's like, oh, can you come to my wedding or can you come to my party or can you come to this? I'm like, no, but thank you for the invite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like process that, like, you know, like it's not really appropriate conflict of interest. Like what if I see one of your friends, like, oh, how you know so-and-so? And it's just like, yeah, but it's like, it warms my heart. Like, I do build relationships with my clients, professional um, I've seen some in public and if they say hi to me, I'll say hi to them, but I never like a start conversation first. I mean, yeah. But yeah, I love what I do. Yeah. I mean, I can see that like you, without you even saying that, I can see that like, this is like a passion for really- you, like passion work. Yeah. Cause I feel like you can tell when people are doing things for money versus like, because they care about it. Um, and I think I'm the same way too, in the sense of like wanting to like make this accessible, especially for black people, people who look like us. Cause like, I know it took me forever to find a black therapist. Like now there are more I'm noticing, which is great. But like a couple of years ago, it was like a handful and I'm like, I don't want to work with someone white and nothing against the white therapist. It's just, I want someone who looks like me who can understand my experiences as a black woman. Yeah, exactly. Well, thankfully, let me see in my last program, it was three of us, including myself. 
And I love them. Like, I got my adulthood. Finding a friend in adulthood is very hard. Yeah. And we've been locked in since. Like, they're two amazing Black women who are just flourishing, who are doing great. Oh, my God. Like, my circle is elite. Like, I I have police, but you name it, I got it. Mm-hmm. I think I need a doctor. I got to know. <laughs> I might need a doctor and a judge. Just saying, I'm putting it out there. Like, right, right. <laughs> for more friends. Come on. No, yeah. I love that. And I love that for us, too. And I feel like everybody needs that. Like, you need... Your village, like you need your people, your genuine people. And it's like quality over quantity. Like you don't need to be surrounded by like 30 people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's what I've learned. And I've, I met great friends in college and undergrad, like phenomenal people. And just thinking like, as I'm thinking right now, I really have all that I need, like financial advisors. I yeah. have like labs, tech, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the diversity and we're all black. That's so. the one. Mm-hmm. That's truly the one for real. So do you see yourself uh, staying in the mental health field? And if so, for like how long? Yes and no. Um, doing direct care, like therapy sessions. No. Mm-hmm. Um, I want my own practice. I yeah. just have to be able to like instill my experience, my education to help others grow, like other black clinicians mm-hmm. of color and really broaden it up. Cause like, yes, there are some of us and we're growing, but I want to be successful. Yeah. Proper leadership, proper mentors to be able to help us and to grow. Cause you can be anything, but are you good at it? Are you successful? Do you know mm-hmm. And along the way, I have had great mentors. I had a great support system, people I can call on or ask a question no matter Mm -hmm. what time. Um, And I want to be that for somebody. I want to have interns where they can get their hours for clinicals, you know, get a job and be somewhere where they feel safe, where they feel appreciated, where they they can grow. That's ultimately what I want. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm rooting for you. I love that. I really love that. So what is the most important lesson that being a therapist has taught you? Patience. Patience. To be patient, to be present, um, to be vulnerable, to be able, to be coachable, to be assertive, to be determined, goal-oriented. Um, being a therapist has bettered my character, bettered me as a person, not all rewards are worth the risk. Mm. Their potential. I have a lot to lose now. So I think about my actions way more yeah. than before. I've matured in so many different ways. Mm. Yeah. And then as a follow-up, since you mentioned like the rewards, what has been the most rewarding thing for you as a therapist? Seeing my clients grow. Mm. Uh, and that's not like so cliche, but like um, just last week, I had a client be like, Jada, when you taught me this, and like she's implementing it, she's using it, and she's seeing yeah. the empire. And it really warmed me so much. And I was like, this is why I do it. Yeah. Even if I just get one, I'm okay with that. Yeah. But 
that one right there was like so reassuring for me because I was like transitioning between jobs and I was mm-hmm. like, I'm doing. Yeah. And that it was like, okay, I'm still on the right path. Yeah. I love that. I love this for you. Like, I, I really do. Um, and lastly, um, what advice do you have for people struggling with their mental health currently? Go get help. <laughs> no, seriously. Fair. Fair. I feel like I needed a therapist myself since, like, only God knows when. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I got insurance. My mom is paying all this money. Let me go use it. Yeah. <laughs> I was under 26 then. Like, let me go use this insurance. Let me get that help. Like, why feel trapped when there are resources? Yeah. And I've been through a few therapists. So the first one is not going to always be the right one. It may. Like, when you lose, you might have the wrong size or the wrong fit. That's what therapists are. I would Mm -hmm. say help. Um, There are many free resources available. Um, There's local clinics in neighborhoods. Even have insurance it's like sliding scales or ask people if like what's your sliding scales um there are therapists that will work with you mm-hmm. i had who was coming to the clinic um no to the practice sorry she had lost her insurance and they moved the price down so much where it was so affordable for her to continue getting services because again many of us don't do it for the money yeah also to help people and yes money is important I feel like you really got to plant your seeds. Like, I started as an intern. Mm-hmm. I gained experience. I'm not out here charging $500 and don't know the difference between bipolar and bipolar 2. Yeah. <laughs> you have to really earn your life. And when you get to a point where you just feel like, you know what, like, not that it's about the money, but, like, you know what, like, I did my service. I want to go ahead and grow and flourish or even change my clientele. Yeah, you have the right to do that because again, like you worked hard to get where you're at, but mm-hmm. don't forget the why behind yeah. what. You're- yeah. So the clients who I've seen and don't tell nobody, uh, I didn't run their insurance. It was like because they couldn't afford their copay, or it was mm-hmm. like a on the fly, or do you have twenty minutes? Yeah, because I'm not only doing it for the money; it's yeah. bigger my purpose and reason behind it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope we have more therapists like you, honestly. <laughs> you're like the epitome of what a therapist should be, I feel like. Like doing it literally just because you love it. And like, this is like a passion for you. And that's beautiful. And I feel like that probably translate well probably definitely with your clients translates well but like even just in this conversation translated beautifully so thank you so much for being here with me today it was such a pleasure having you thank you for having me this was great i love the conversation same same so yeah that's all we have for you all today hope you enjoyed this episode gardenia blessings to each of you